Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 779th day together in the Word of God as we go through the Bible one day at a time over the course of three years, and we've come to the last chapter in Song of Solomon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our gracious God, thank you so much for all that you've been teaching us through Song of Solomon, the calling you've been giving us to value and treasure marriage and and the gift of romantic love and intimacy with our spouses, but also the gift that all of us, single, married, widowed, divorced, wherever we are in life, all of us who belong to Jesus Christ have been given the gift of an intimate and fellowship relationship, communion, union with Christ. And we pray that you would write Christ and his love for us on our hearts today through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 8. This is the woman speaking. Oh, that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I found you outside, I would kiss you, and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the juice of my pomegranate. My left hand is, his left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. Set me as a seal upon your heart as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. We have a little sister, and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build on her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He let out the vineyard to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is before me. You, O Solomon, may have the thousand, and the keepers of the fruit, two hundred. O you who dwell in the gardens, with companions listening to your voice, let me hear it. Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle, or a young stag, on the mountains of spices. Well, the last chapter of Song of Solomon is in many ways the most beautiful. Some of the most beautiful words of the whole book are found here in this last chapter. And it also is difficult, difficult to figure out every aspect of it. So it's probably, in my estimation, the most beautiful chapter, set me as a seal upon your heart, love is as strong as death. And then, um, most confusing as well. So most beautiful, most confusing, maybe a fitting uh, conclusion to a book that overall is very beautiful and can be 
very confusing. So this first part is really the bride saying how much she she longs to be with her her lover, her husband. Um, kiss of romance is not considered socially appropriate in public, but you could kiss your family. And so that's kind of what's behind these opening verses. When she sees her husband out in public, she wishes that she could just engage in what we call PDA, right? Public displays of affection, that she could just go over and uh, embrace him and kiss him. And she can't do that because that's socially very inappropriate. And I do think there's something about that as well for us in that, you know, the, the romantic intimacy that a husband and wife enjoy is something for private. It's not something that should be discussed in detail, openly in public. Obviously, it's not something that should be overtly displayed in a way that makes other people feel uncomfortable. Even like a married couple, you know, if you see them out in public and they're, you know, really heavily engaged in public displays of affection, it's very uncomfortable. Like, get a room, right? That's the saying. So, because it's for private. Right? But she loves her husband so much that she wishes that she had the freedom to be able to express that love to him even out in, in public. Um, and so she wants to be alone with him. She wants to be intimate with him. And then we get the third or fourth refrain of this uh, in verse 4. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases it's the last time we hear this. Um, it's it's time for the marriage, and and the marriage has come, and so she can enjoy the marriage with her husband in private. No more avoiding each other. No more dreaming about each other. They actually get to be together, and so that's the joy. And so, for single people, this refrain throughout the book is here really as a reminder to say there is a right time and there is a right place and there is an appropriateness and you need to be patient. You need to wait. You need to not stir up or awaken love until it pleases, right? So that's, now here we have this um, transition, I guess, from the mother to the wife. Um, he's, he's leaving his father and mother, he's clinging to his wife. I think that's the basic idea behind what's here in verse 5. But verses 5 to 14 is really the song of marriage. It's really the celebration of, of the song of marriage. A wedding in the ancient world was, was a long affair. It was a multi-day affair. Remember the wedding at Cana in Galilee that Jesus attended in John 2, where he performed his first miracle of turning water into wine. A wedding was a wedding celebration that lasted for multiple days. It was only at the end of that marriage celebration that that there was this definite transition where no longer is the mother going to be taking care of the son or tending to his needs or being the one who comforts him when he's, when he's hurting. Um, he goes from the tender maternal embrace of his mother to the intimate uh, romantic embrace of his wife. And so there's this, there's this parting, this leaving and cleaving, right? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. That happens really at the end of the marriage uh, celebration. And so she's saying to her husband, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. 
Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of love. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. So in my estimation, in many people's estimation, those two verses are among the most beautiful in all of Scripture. It's a powerful, compelling image of love. Sometimes in the Christian world, we, we talk about, what, well, what is love? Love is more than a feeling. And then we say love is a choice, right? Love is an action. Well, yes, but let's be careful. Love is more than a feeling, but love is certainly not less than a feeling. Love is more intense than our emotions. It's more stable. It's more committed. It's more, um, it's stronger than our emotions, but not weaker than, right? It's not like, I'm not going to feel love. Instead, I'm just, I'm just going to make the choice to love regardless of how I feel. That's a, that's a false dichotomy that I think, especially within Reformed Presbyterian circles, we can fall into this idea of we don't trust our feelings and we shouldn't trust our feelings, right? But then that somehow becomes feelings are bad and feelings are something to be set aside and we just to do the right things. It's the right thing to do. That is not love. That is not romance. That is not marriage. That is not intimacy. That is not what God calls us to. God gave us passionate desires God gave us sexual intimacy. God gave us romantic feelings. God is God of our feelings as well as of our thoughts and of our actions. And we are to bring all of ourselves, mind, body, heart, soul, thoughts, emotions, feelings, commitments, actions, muscles, lives. We're to bring all of that to God as an offering of worship, a living sacrifice. And then we're to give all of that to our spouse in the intimacy of marriage. And that's what's pictured here. This is not an emotionless choice of, I have covenanted with you, and so I shall be faithful unto you. I shall do my duty. Yes, ma'am. Like, it's not that. It's, it is passionate, committed, right? It's absolutely committed. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he'd be utterly despised. You can't buy love. You can't sell love. Love is strong, strong as death, fierce, fierce, like fire. It's passion. It's more than emotion. There's a strength of commitment behind it. It's something precious that cannot be purchased. And it is till death do us part. We make that vow, that oath, till death do us part. And really, there are, unfortunately, in a fallen world, there are realities of dealing with sinful people and sinful patterns, but... It ought to be that the persistence, the persistence of love in the marriage should be until death. And nothing should be able to drown it or carry it away or sell it or buy it. It's just that powerful. And we should also keep in mind that Christ has made that commitment to us. Christ has set us as a seal upon his heart. He bears scars in his body to this day and for all eternity, that are the scars of love. He wanted his bride. He purchased his bride. He gave his life unto death for his bride, and he lives forevermore to be with his bride. There's a little bit of a side door about the little sister, and it's just the idea that um, there's chastity here. Okay, so if, if someone is young and not ready for marriage yet, um, there's a day when she's spoken for, right? A day when she will marry, but it's the idea that you can 
wait until that day. You wait. You don't give in. Again, this is that theme. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. You wait until that day. Um, and you, you hold until that, until the day is appropriate. And, and she affirms this. she affirms that, that I was, I was once young, uh, but I held steady. And then, and then I've got to be with the one that I wanted to be with. Um, so here, um, is another reference to Solomon himself. Uh, he wrote this song, but he's also in the song. Um, it's, it's a distant, he's a distant figure. Um, he's probably not the beloved in here. This is one of the age old discussions about this book is, is this about Solomon's intimate relationship with his bride? Or is this Solomon writing about ideal married love from a distance? I think, I think the second, I take the second in that Solomon's not the husband here. Solomon comes to the wedding in a dream maybe, um, but he's not the actual husband. I think it's actually Solomon looking at what he doesn't have. You see, Solomon was in a very bad position when it came to marriage. He had husband, he had hundreds of wives, and he had hundreds more of concubines. So he had way too many, way too many sexual partners, way too many wives, way too many concubines. This is a very intimate one-on-one, -on -one, delighting in one another, exclusively to one another, till death do us part kind of view. And I think I think it's Solomon in older years as he's wealthy and he has everything, but he realizes he never had this. And so he's writing this from the perspective of someone who, who has an overabundance of everything you could ever wish for, but who never really for himself knew this level of committed in intimacy. You know, I'm, I'm sure probably he, he felt passion for his first wife, maybe a second wife, I'm sure there was loving passion there at times, but again, just no way. When you have hundreds of wives, hundreds of concubines, you, you don't have a marriage anymore. You have a mess. And that's not the way God intended it to be at all. Polygamy is not God's design. God allowed it for a period of time for his people's history for a variety of different reasons. But um, I think, again, what we have here is a song of Solomon where he's longing for it. It it's really is a companion with Ecclesiastes where um, Solomon is looking at life um, and and celebrating and longing for and and thinking over. So this is a much more positive celebration of romantic married love, whereas Ecclesiastes is much more of a lamenting and mourning and agonizing over the futilities and frustrations of the fallen world. But I think they're both I think they're both written by an older Solomon looking back on his life with a bit of longing um, and and some regret mixed with lessons learned. Um, so in the end, marriage is good. Um, the song closes with the man and woman delighting themselves with the enjoyment of each other. Um, and they're just going to continue to pursue one another. There's a, there's a pursuit in romance that should even be there in marriage, writing love notes to each other, um, you know, taking each other out on dates, um, looking to get away together, going on little marriage retreats together because there's a rightness to keep the passion fresh and to keep pursuing one another as long as we live. And also in our spiritual lives, we can get stale and kind of stuck in a rut. We need to keep pursuing Christ and our passion for Christ and remember his passion for us as well. Well, I hope you benefited from Song of Solomon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this book. 
It's been a wonderful, strange trip in many ways. It's a, a bizarre book from our cultural perspective, 3,000 years removed from the writing of it. But it's also just such a beautiful and compelling book. And it is part of your word. It's part of what you give to us. You speak to us in so many varied ways. How different this book is from 1 Thessalonians or from Proverbs or from Isaiah. It's, it's different, but it's good and it's right. And we receive it with joy and with gratitude. Help us to learn its lessons about marriage and about the church and about Christ. And help us to walk in the wisdom of it by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, all the days of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Tomorrow, we're going to be taking a quick dip into the book of Proverbs. Hope you can join me for that. Proverbs 21 is on tap for tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the Lord.